What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Ablaze Youth Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at We Are Ablaze. Tonight's message is called Prove It Again. We're going to keep talking about this. We talked about it last week. We talked about it tonight. We might talk about it again next week, but I do feel that we're not quite done here because we have a job to do, right? Say, I got a job to do. I got to prove it. I got to prove that the love of God is real. I got to prove that Jesus is who he says he is, and I get to do that with my life. You get to do that with your life. Over in John 13, verses 34 to 35, out of the Passion Translation. I love the Passion Translation. If you guys haven't gotten on the Passion Translation yet, you should. There's a lot of passion in that translation, you know? Feel that? Yeah? It is called the Passion Translation. Anyway, all right. So it says, I give you now a new commandment. And some of you guys are like, we talked about this last week. Well, it's because it was so good. It's fine. That's all right. We can put it in there again. So we love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. You see, this is a new commandment that Jesus gave us. If you haven't been to Octane, plug for Octane. We just got done with the Sermon on the Mount. We meet every Monday, 4.30, right here in this room most of the time, and we have a good conversation. We have a good time. We chat. We, you know, we hang out. Sometimes we eat snacks. Sometimes we play Super Smash Brothers. Sometimes we talk about God. Sometimes we just do stuff. We hang out. We get to know each other. But anyway, but we just got done talking about Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount was this long thing that Jesus talked about, but essentially he boiled it all down to this in, in, at some point in Scripture, in some portion of Matthew 5. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. And he says it over here again in John 13. He says, I give you a commandment, love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. What did Jesus do for us? Anyone know? Yeah, that, that is true. He died for us. John 3.16, we talk about all the time, said, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son to die for us so that way we would not perish. And then in the next verse, it talks about he didn't die for us. He didn't come for us to judge us, but to rescue us. You see, he loved you so much that X thousands of years ago, he was like, Jimmy, I'm gonna die for you, dude. Morgan, I'm gonna die for you, dude. Oh yeah, I'm gonna die for you guys. Like he knew everything that you were ever gonna do, every sin you ever might commit, every good thing you're gonna do too. And yet he was like, you know what? You are worth it. You are worth going to the cross for. You are worth rescuing. He died to give you an abundant and amazing life. And what we get to do is reflect that unto people. We have a job to grab a hold of that abundant, amazing life so that way we can show forth the glory of what he did for us. You see, last week, you know, we had those images of, you know, those things that I put on here. And like I said, is that, you know, you, you have an opinion about those things because you've had an experience with them. There's people outside of these walls that have an opinion about God because they've had either a negative experience about him or they've had no experience with God. So we have to make sure we give them a positive experience of an encounter with Jesus, right? We get to do that with our life. Over in Matthew 5, 14, uh, out of the Passion Translation, again, it says, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give praise to your Father in heaven. 
See, one of the things that I think is so cool about this verse, and I talked about it for a minute last week, but it says, let your light be seen from a distance. How can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? You know, I, I, when I think about this verse, I think about like, you know, have you guys ever seen like a lighthouse? You know, it's like doing that little light and it's like spinning around. It's like out in the sea. What's the point of a lighthouse, right? Anyone know what a point of a lighthouse is? Yes, tell me what. The, bring the ship back to the port. Is that what you just said? You have a mask on, so I had to somewhat interpret what you said. It looked like that's what you said. I'm glad that's what you said because that's exactly what it does. So it goes around and maybe it does something else. Does it do something else? Ooh. Ooh. That's even better. I like that. That's good. I'm going to get to that in a second. Don't let me forget that. That's cool. Okay. So that lighthouse is shining around. It's going, and it's leading the ships back home. It's leading the ships back to the port. You see, we cannot save people. We cannot cleanse people of their sin. Jesus can. God is the one that does that. So Jesus he led us to the Father because he's the light. And now we get to lead people to Jesus who then leads them to the Father. So it's like, we're like these weird little like lighthouse relay races. So it's like, whoop, whoop, light, light, and then whoop, whoop, light, light, and then Jesus has got people back, reunited with the Father again. And so it's like we're a lighthouse. We're meant to signal in and help the lost people get back home, get back to where they belong, back to the Father. And then back to what? Shane? All right. That's your name? Shane? Sean? Shane? Shane. Nice to meet you, buddy. Sorry, I got your name wrong. Shane. But Shane said it also helps them not get hurt because light helps us not get hurt. You see, Jesus didn't want us to live in darkness anymore. Jesus didn't want us to live a life of pain and anguish. You see, that's what's outside of these walls. There's people that, that feel like they have to live that way. The people that feel like they have to live in lack and condemnation. They have to feel like they live in their guilt because that they deserve it. And they just feel like they have to stay in that place. And Jesus says, you know what? Through my power, through my blood and my resurrection, I'm going to shine this light. I'm going to lead you home, lead you back to safety and make sure that you walk in my light and you can walk in my abundance so that you don't have to hurt anymore more. Now, I believe most of you, if not all of you, have already experienced that wonderful, amazing light. And that's why I'm posing this challenge to you right now is that we've got to be bold and we've got to stay strong and we've got to do that. Amen. We got to help lead people back to Jesus so that way they don't get hurt. And so that way they can be back to the Father. Amen. Over in Philippians 2, uh, verse 12 through 16, it says, dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show, show, show the results. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obey God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining, arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Man, I feel like I, I mentioned a lot, but how many of you guys have ever like met those people that are like, I'm Christian. And then they're out there just like cussing up a storm and gossiping like crazy. And they're just like big fat jerks in the hallways at school. You know, they're just not the people that are representing Jesus well. And if that's you in this room, you just need to like, just like, don't look at anybody right now. 
no shame. We've all done it. I'm not. I'm not saying that you know we don't. We don't have our moments. Obviously, we're gonna have uh, weak moments where we might say something about somebody. But what I'm saying is the things that I got out of this. It says, obey God. Don't complain. Don't argue. Live clean and blameless. Hold firm to the word of life. Obey God. Don't complain. Don't argue. Live clean and blameless. Hold firm to the word of life. The reason that this is important is because these are the things that Jesus did. Everywhere that Jesus went, you know, we, we said this last week too, but everything that Je- everything, Jesus didn't just preach and talk about love, but he also demonstrated it. You never once saw Jesus in the Bible disobey God. You never once saw Jesus complaining. You never saw once Jesus arguing in a, you know, not in a way that's, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't bickering. He wasn't gossiping. He was living clean. He was living, and most of all, he was holding firm to the scriptures. He was living his life in accordance to the word of God because he is God, and he wanted to demonstrate God. He wanted to demonstrate the light into this world. And so we have to take that challenge. When we say that we're Christians, when we say that we follow God, when we disobey God, it seems like we don't take him seriously. How are people ever going to take God seriously if we don't take him seriously? If we don't take what Jesus did for us seriously, how are people going to take him seriously? You know, I think about this when I, when I think about someone that, that says that they're a Christian. And again, there's no shade to anyone in this room. We've all had our moments and maybe you did something stupid just before you walked in these doors and you, you, you cussed out your mom or, or maybe you got in a fight with your friend or maybe you stole something or maybe you just had a bad day and you just you argued and you, you cried about it and you were just loud and you whatever. It, it doesn't matter right now, Okay. <laughs> You messed up, it's fine. We can start fresh now. But what I think about is if Nomad, if Noodle Boy, we'll go over to the light switch here. You can choose that one, you go to this one, it doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. What I think about is that someone that says they're a Christian, there's this bright light right now, like, I'm a Christian. And then they're like, shut the up. <laughs> and the light goes down. <laughs> and then the light comes on, and they're like, I love Jesus. And they're like, screw you, man. And then they're like, God is so good. And then they steal your lunch money. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) that is not a demonstration. That's a flickering light, (laughs) if you will. That would be like a lighthouse sitting on the edge of a port, island, a peninsula. I don't know. A lighthouse sitting on the edge of an island area. And it's trying to send a ship home. But then the light just keeps blinking. And so the ship has one or two choices. One, hope it's going to go the right way. Hope that that's the direction it's going to be going. And hopefully it makes it to the port. Or they're not going to follow that light at all because it's not consistent and it's not reliable. Did you guys catch that? People are either going to follow after your light because you're consistent and you're reliable with who God says he is and what he's done for your life, or they're going to look at you as an unreliable source, or they're going to look at God and think, He's not legit because they're not legit. Jimmy just cussed me out, man. Jimmy just talked crap about me on Snapchat in front of everybody. You know, like, again, it's all good, Jimmy. We can pray for you later. We'll get you right. It's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Jesus forgives you. He loves you so much. It's going to be fine. (laughs) But for real. This is real stuff. This is serious stuff. Like people are looking for answers right now, just like Robert talked about before we split. People are needing answers. People are needing uh, 
relief right now. People are needing to be set free. People are in bondage. People are broken in every chance they, they get. Hopefully they're running into someone that's representing God well. So over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 through 7, I think it's out of the NLT. I didn't write it down, but typically that's what I do. Anyway, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. And no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove to ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working within us. We use the weapons of righteousness for right-hand attack. In our right, <laughs> we use it for our right hand and for attack and the left hand for defense. We have to endure the hardships. We have to endure when our friends are gossiping about us. We have to endure when someone says something stupid to our face. We have to endure when someone's a big fat jerk in the hallway. We have to endure when Jimmy calls us out on Snapchat. We don't respond in a way <laughs> that that is unloving, that is not patient, that, that is mal- uh, not malice, I guess that, that's super dark, but that, that's like, I guess that's still works. We don't stop with a, a malicious intent, you know? Like we don't respond in such a way that is hateful and ignorant and mean and just ugly. You know, when, when people, I'm about to get to it in a second, but it's like even with the woman at the well, you know, she was a Samaritan woman, which if you know anything about Bible history, which I don't know a whole lot, but I know enough to know that basically Jews and Samaritans did not get along. There was this weird animosity between each other. They saw the Samaritans as not pure people because they were a mixed race of people. They, they were in a, a, a different type of area as well. They believed things slightly differently. And so the Jews did not think that they were worthy of the, the, her- the inheritance of God. So they thought of them as lesser than. But Jesus, he didn't care about that. He didn't care where you were from. He didn't care where you were brought up. He didn't care about the color of your skin. Still doesn't. Everyone's color of their skin is beautiful and amazing. You're created on purpose and for a purpose. And I think that diversity is beautiful and wonderful and so does God. So don't anyone ever tell you anything different. Anyway, enough of that. So the Samaritan woman was sitting at the well all by herself. And not only did she have five husbands or, or I guess technically she had five husbands, she had one more. Is that what it was? Or she, I don't know. Basically she was a woman that she liked to go around, <laughs> go around the town, if you will, and sell things and, and take company with, yeah. You know, we could talk about a <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> you can talk to your mother about it later. <laughs> but anyway, you know, she obviously was not living a, a quite good situation. Her lifestyle was less than light. You know what I'm saying? And so, but Jesus saw her in her mistakes, saw her in a place that she wasn't living right and that she was living in a broken lifestyle and she wasn't finding fulfillment. See, she was trying to find fulfillment in men but not fulfillment in Jesus because she didn't know Jesus. And isn't that literally what happens outside of these walls? There's so many people that they try to find fulfillment in a relationship or they try to find fulfillment in 
in, in, in sex or they try to find fulfillment in drugs or they try to find fulfillment even in video games or sleep or just nothing at all. And they try to find this fulfillment and maybe it fulfills them for a moment or a season, but eventually they start to feel empty. And so they move on to the next thing and it fulfills them for a while and then they start to feel empty and then it fulfills them for a while and then they start to feel empty and then they find themselves alone still broken, still hurting, and not fulfilled. But then this woman was there. She was alone, and then Jesus had an encounter with her, and he helped her in her mess. He showed compassion to this woman. And not only that, but he also showed his disciples, his fellow Jew friends, that, hey, I am going to talk to this Samaritan woman, and so should you. Because Jesus not only talked about loving people, but he demonstrated. I don't know why I got onto that, but that happened and it was good. But what I'm saying is, more so, we have to be able to endure things. We have to be able to to persevere when things don't look like it's a good situation for us. People are looking at us to see how we're going to react. When something crappy happens to an individual, are we going to go for that person and be defensive to them? Or are we going to join in and start making fun of them? Hmm. right? When someone's not feeling well, are we just going to say, that sucks, dude? Are we going to say, let me pray for you? When we're having a bad day, are we going to complain about it? Words, they're hard to say. When we're having a bad day, are we going to complain about our bad day? Are we going to talk crap about ourselves or about our situation and just say, you know what, it is what it is. I'm just going to deal with it because this has just been handed to me and this is my situation, I guess. I'm just going to accept this. It's like that meme of that old guy. He's just like, I guess I'll just die. You know, like, it's just like one of the, it's like, I guess I'm just going to accept it. No, we have to say, I know I'm a child of the most high and he's going to be the one that's going to get me through this. And people need to see us respond in such a way so that way they can be like, oh, dang. Why do you have such confidence? Why are you living like that? Why, why do you feel so good about your situation right now? Everything on the, the circumstances look awful for you, but yet you are so confident. And that opens a door for Jimmy to say, look, I know a man. I know Jesus. And even though I'm having a bad day, and even though just a few minutes ago I was stupid and I messed up, and I know that he's going to help me. I know he's going to pick me up and he's going to save me. He's going to rescue me from this. And I can show you how to talk to Jesus too. He is that good, guys. And people need to see that we want to acknowledge his goodness. People need to see that we're willing to acknowledge his goodness despite the circumstances. Now, I know most of you, I would assume, have not been beaten and or put in prison or faced angry mobs or worked to exhaustion or you've endured sleepless nights and hopefully you've never gone without food. But nevertheless, even if you have gone through that or you're going through that, you need to know that God's going to get you through. And he always will get you through. And if you put your focus in that and that Jesus will get you through that, and when you come out on the other side and you start glorifying him and you start praising him and everyone's like, dang, God did that for them. That proves it right there. That proves that God is who he says he is. Your life can be an example to those around you.
there's more to get to, but maybe we'll get to it next week because I just feel like we got to say this and I don't really don't want to take too much more time. And you know what's awesome is there's no reason to rush things. You know, it took us a whole year to get through Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount's like three chapters, guys. <laughs> it took us a whole year to get through that and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I wanted you guys to understand right now before we leave this place, most of you are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11. You know what? Let's just go there. It says, now, nah, nah, let's, let's go there. Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And then it says there in verse 12, in the days when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. 14, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I'll bring you home again to your own land. I love this verse because we always focus on Jeremiah 29, 11, and Jeremiah 29 is awesome because it's amazing because it tells you that that you've got a plan from God and that he has a purpose for your life and he absolutely 100% does. Every single one of you were created on purpose for a purpose and you're all different. And you're, we talked about diversity for a second there. You're all diverse and unique for a reason. If we had a bunch of Millers in this room, it'd be loud and wild real fast and we'd all be really annoyed with each other because it's a bunch of Millers in the room. But that's fine. <laughs> but we only need one Miller. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Miller. Diversity is important for a reason, and every single one of us were created on that purpose, and he needs us to work together. He needs us to, to have this plan. You see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't believe that, that's what this next verse is about. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you and I will end your captivity and I'll restore your fortune. God is the worst at playing hide and seek. He's like the little kid in the corner that's got his feet underneath the curtain because you already know where he's at. But God is like that on purpose. He wants you to know I'm right here with you all the time. And the purpose that I have for your life, it's a good plan. It's an amazing plan. And if you do the things that we just talked about, obeying him, not complaining, not arguing, you're giving honor to that plan. You're giving honor to God as he walks with you and as he talks with you and he leads you through your life. You start being an example to those around you as you walk in your purpose and you start glorifying him. You start honoring him with the things that you do. You know, it talks about in here, don't fear God and, or it says, it says to fear God. And I always thought like, that's really weird. Why would God say fear? But the word fear just means to respect and to revere and have honor to God, to realize that he is amazing and he is God and he has plans for us and he has, he's going to walk with us and he's so powerful and he's so wonderful. You guys have an opportunity and an amazing opportunity to use your life to Help people find God. Be the lighthouse that brings the ships home. And not only bring them home, but bring them home safely. Bring them home without pain, without hurt, without condemnation. Get them there not 
crawling across the finish line, but running full blast, excited to be with you, to be with Jesus, to be in the light and not in darkness anymore. You get to do that. You get to prove that God is real, that God is love, that God is amazing. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about all the attributes and descriptions of what love is. You know, love is patient, love is kind, love is tenderhearted, love is just, and it's not boiling over with jealousy, and it's not boastful, it's not rude, and I'm sure I said those all out of order, but it's all the same, is that love is all those things, that God is all those things. And when you start walking with him, when you start talking with him, you too start to reflect those things in your life. Strive to reflect those things in your life. Say, I want to prove it. I want to prove that God is real. I want to prove that he is love. I want to prove that he is amazing. And I want to help people grow closer to him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We want to remind you, if you'd like to join us in person, we meet every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. here in Madison, Alabama. We are Ablaze Youth Ministries, grades 6 through 12. We hope to see you. Otherwise, be sure to keep on listening to the podcast.